0: It's the True Penny Show,
1: with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show, my name is James True Penny, this is my show and today... We're looking at GCW's The Collective shows, not all of them, not all of them, because <laughs> so, I would be a real knight, uh, three of them, um, and we're going to look at GCW, because uh, we haven't looked at GCW in a while, and there's been some cool stuff. We did do a Bloodsport show last year, but we haven't done Tingin' them for ages, and to join me, will you please welcome the one and only Miss Chelsea Spollen to review these shows. Welcome back to The Truth of The Show, ma'am.
0: Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm
1: excited. excited. Yes, it's going to be great. I'm going to really enjoy this. We all apologize. We've got a bit of an echo on the line. I will mute myself as much as I can, but on the short exchanges, you might hear ourselves going over each other. We do apologize. Skype is not a perfect thing. (laughs) So apologies for any gaps today as well. We
0: do
1: our best. We do indeed. Um, Yeah, GCW has kind of like become... I was thinking about this. They've kind of become the all-encompassing indie gods. And part of it has become because of they celebrate numerous different styles. It's not just like one style company. They have these bespoke shows with people like Effie and Josh Barnett and the, um, uh, Orange Cassidy had a show, didn't he? And um I'm trying to think of the other person whose name escaped me. He wrestled Ricky Morton that weekend. I can't remember. But anyway... Uh, they run all these shows that have got a widespread of different variety um, and a lot of deathmatch stuff, so it's kind of appealing to the the fans of companies like Shakara and Ring of Honor and CZW that they used to do that stuff and don't do it anymore or just don't exist anymore and now GCW's kind of taking over and it's kind of that nodal point of wrestling where people from different companies can come in. We had guys from New Japan and AEW and impact in the nwa on these shows and that's what i like about gcw it's kind of everything for everybody what's your thoughts on gcw before you watch this chelsea
0: so to be honest um i hadn't watched a ton of gcw content um i i think i'd seen like some individual matches here and there and i knew about Bloodsport um because everything Bloodsport does uh you know meets that like cross-section of like mma and wrestling promotion stuff um I definitely thought it was really cool that uh, they were going to do the Big A Brunch because um, Effie is a standout talent on his own. And I thought, oh, that's really cool that this promotion is putting on an entire show that's like booked to this guy's tastes. But I really didn't know much about them before I saw that the collective shows were all available um, as like one big block of content. In fact, I think I found that out maybe the day before because I've been kind of disengaged from wrestling Twitter. And um, I was very impressed just looking at the lineup of shows for the collective weekend um, by the variety. Like you said, um, it's really cool that they had, you know, they had a dedicated women's wrestling show. They had an MMA fan shoot style wrestling show. They had For the Culture, which is, you know, specifically like a black and POC wrestling show. Um, and I just, I think that that comes across as really like, you know, pure intentions of like giving a platform to diverse voices, which is really, really positive.
1: I think so as well. It's it's one of the things I like about GCW, John Dinsdale, uh, our uh, co-host at the Troopany Show, absolutely adores GCW and spends a lot of time writing about it for Steel Chair Magazine. He follows literally every show. and nice. He- nice. He's been big on them to me. And it's like, you've got to watch this stuff. It's really cool. And I've I've been, I've been, I was really impressed with this setup. You know, they got an ice hockey stadium so they could properly um, social distance the show. It was nice to see a big arena. The production values weren't perfect but it's an indie show in a big arena with a small crowd. There's not a lot you can do about that. The only thing, and this is something every indie show in the world should do, is plug the sound desk into the video equipment.
0: Yes, that is, if anyone from DCW is listening to this podcast, which is, I don't know, possibly a little doubtful, but um, uh, if you know that something is a persistent technical problem through your first show on a weekend where you have a whole bunch of shows booked, either you need to change your shows around a little bit so that you don't have as much ring announcing or as many promos or as much content that revolves around the audience being able to hear it if they're just watching and streaming at home. Or you need to figure out a way to fix that technical problem. Like it's really unacceptable that a show, a bunch of shows that had budgets this big had Ring announcing that nobody watching at home could hear, and people in the arena also said they had a very difficult time hearing. like I got tweets from people while I was live tweeting some of the shows saying that they couldn't make out what the ring announcers were saying, and they were sitting eight feet away. So if you know that is a problem and you should know, you should fix it.
1: Yeah, the issue is you're in a bay, you're in an ice hockey arena that probably seats about four thousand people, and there's only four hundred people in it which means that the sound will bounce everywhere and you either need a really quiet PA or you need a really massively loud PA and they had yep, a PA yep. somewhere in between and the sound engineer that, engineer that wasn't very good. And as a result of that, you heard <laughs> all the time, which they needed to fix. I didn't hear a word any of the ring announcers said, and they all yep. seemed talented that's not fair. Uh, but we'll start with for the culture which, as you said, was kind of aimed at the for minority wrestlers, basically. Um, and yeah, it, it's a black it's a wrestling,
0: show. wrestling show.
1: Yeah, and it paid homage to some great black wrestlers of recent past and recent history and today. And you got some big names on this show. It opened with a five-way scramble match. Mike Outlaw, AC Mack, Mo Atlas, Tim Lou Retton, and Zay Washington. And kind of a fun blast. I can't really remember too much about it, which will tell you how much it just was fun. This was, this was what reminded me. Watching this match was like, this isn't high-pressure, high-stakes New Japan or Joshi that I watch all the time where everything, every minute detail of the fringe on somebody's shorts is really important. It's just <laughs> five guys hitting each other quite hard. What are your thoughts on this, Chelsea?
0: I thought this was really fun. I thought it was a good opener. Um, I appreciated that they clearly were doing an opening match. so They were not trying to burn the crowd out At that point, I think there had been a couple of shows that had happened earlier in the day. So the audience was probably tired. Um, It was like exactly the right length. It was like six or seven minutes long. Um, There were some guys in this match that I wasn't super familiar with. I thought Timmy Lou Retton in particular seemed really impressive. And I love that he has a finisher called Broke Black Mountain. Um, It was very creative. I, you know, it's not a, it's not a match that I remember a whole lot of, but I remember thinking that everybody in it seemed like they were talented, and it seemed like a fun way to kick off the show.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think it, it was just fun, just dice blast. And it's like it was a little sloppy in places, and there was a lot on these shows that was a little sloppy in places, but it was fun to watch, and that's that was the important thing for me. Next yeah. up was. JTG versus Trey Miguel. Now, because of the fact that I don't watch WWE, JTG is a massively internationally famous star who I have literally never watched wrestle. And Trey Miguel, I've seen <laughs> lots of <physics> and impacts. <laughs> and I like Trey Miguel, and JTG is very good. I thought he was very, very cool. In fact, to be honest with you, I think I've probably played him more on the Wii version of SmackDown versus Raw than I have actually watched him wrestle. Wow, wow. So there you go. So that was the point, but thoroughly enjoyed this. And it did kind of feel like these two guys are big TV stars and they felt like big TV stars, even though they were in a hole that's quite empty. There was a standard jump. There was like, these guys were crisp, there was sharp, it was really interesting to watch this um it brought the whole level of the card up very very quickly and even though it was only eight minutes long it was well worth the price of admission alone just to see this match because it was a very crisp professional affair i thought what was your thoughts on this one chelsea
0: I i totally agree um i thought both those guys looked like stars um i'm slightly more familiar with jtg than it sounds like you might have been but i was less familiar with trey miguel um i thought they both looked like consummate professionals who knew what they were doing um it was crisp it was fun it was fast um I thought that JTG looked I mean he's a big guy but he looked like an absolute monster standing next to Trey Miguel and I like that dynamic in a wrestling match where you kind of have a little bit of that tension there just because of the aesthetics of the guys um and uh i thought that they were trying not to burn the crowd out but also trying to put on something entertaining and they were successful at that and i think that the strategy of having two guys who are excuse me really well known to the audience um and who are really experienced near the top of the card is a good one and i wish that more independent wrestling promotions would do it because i feel like so many indie cards i've sat through have you know, the first five matches on the card are, you get maybe one standout star in them who really knows what they're doing and everybody else is very green and just trying to learn. And there's nothing wrong with having green wrestlers on your show. Obviously they have to learn, but I think it was smart for them to put these two guys, the second match on the card, because it woke everybody up who was kind of, you know, maybe not super invested in the first match, And said, Oh, okay, there's gonna be something really cool and really special here, and they've got really talented people on this card. So I thought that was a smart strategy and I wish that more promotions would do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um I think I I think the British formula for cards these days is changed from back in the day, but it very much is still like, you know, something not much going on in the first one, a little bit more going on in the second one, and at least you get kind of a before the interval. Because, you know, not all shows have intervals, but like usually on a progress show or a big show, there'll be an interval and they'll put a big match on before the interval. But it gets you excited for when you come back after you've had your break. And I think that's kind of a good formula to have. Put something in the middle that makes things more interesting for you to watch and you're not having to trudge through things and keep, you know, green wrestlers do have to learn. But if it's a big card, keep it short and snappy. I think it's probably especially big, a
0: big card in the middle, in the middle of, a bunch of bunch of shows, shows that are all in the same weekend
1: yeah absolutely definitely right then we moved on next was a three-way tag match featuring four acres pb smooth and trey lamar they defeated culture season christian casanova and tasha steels and top flight Airwolf and angel dorado 11 minutes and 43 seconds i of the guys of the people in this match i was actually most familiar with tasha steels from her work recently on impact She's also apparently just got a Twitter account back. I don't know what she did, but apparently it wasn't good. She got banned from Twitter, so she must have said something unreasonable. Um, but yeah, this was a lot of fun. It was it was very high spot lead. as you imagine, a three-way tag match has to be with a bunch of aerial wrestlers in it. But that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, I'm not particularly keen on three way dances. That's kind of my taste. However, said that. I thought these guys all look like stars. It all looked like tag teams with finish maneuvers and double teams and it it all really clicked for me what were your thoughts on this one chelsea
0: i loved this um i thought this was really really fun i totally agree that it felt a little crowded having the three teams but i mean the, the thing is all of these wrestlers are so good and probably tasha Steeles is the one i was most familiar with too because i had had the privilege of seeing her a few times when i was living in new york um she did a few shows that I went to there. And um, a lot of them was very similar where she was part of a big tag match, but became a standout because of some high spots that she did. And she's very capable at that. Um, I want to see more stuff from her because I feel like I don't really have a big handle on what she can do. Um, To me, the other standout in this match is uh, Top Flight as a tag team. Oh my God, they were so fun to watch. In particular, Airwolf was just like super fast, super crisp, totally on it. Seemed to know where everybody else in the ring was at once and how to react to them and just like his reaction times um, and some of his spots that he did. It did not feel formulaic to me at all. It felt really refreshing, really unique. And I mean, to be fair, some of that could just be that I hadn't really seen top flight before. I had heard of them, but I had never seen a match they were actually in prior to this, but they just felt, it just felt so refreshing watching them wrestle. Like they did not have that um, sort of, I don't know that like lackluster burnout thing that happens to tag teams sometimes where, uh, You know, you get guys who have, like, a routine of stuff that they do, and they're not necessarily looking to to innovate. I I feel like whatever, whatever the best is for those guys, it's yet to come. I feel like there's definitely... Um, more to come from them and they have only scratched the surface so I really enjoyed this match it was really exciting and fun and also I tweeted nice things about it on Twitter and a whole bunch of the wrestlers found my tweets and liked them and retweeted them which is not a thing you have to do but is a smart strategy if you're a young up and coming wrestler because it means that people are likely to follow you back which is what I did (laughs) so um, props to those guys for doing that
1: that is very cool. That is very, very cool. Uh, yeah, it was a fun match. I didn't dislike it. And I kind of like Christian Casanova and Tasha Steeles a lot. I thought they were really cool. They looked like stars. They were my yep. favorite match. Next up was the Pan-African World Diaspora Wrestling title match. Featuring Trisha Dora, the current champion. She defeated Shug D in 12 minutes and 50 seconds. If you don't know Shug D, formerly, the former artist formerly known as Sugar Dunkerton. Um, from back in the Shikara days. Now former regular in AEW didn't really go there, kind of stayed in the indies and has spent a lot of time in Rev Pro. This is for a match that kind of celebrated African culture, this looked an awful lot like a British wrestling match from the nineteen seventies, I have to say, which is no bad thing, because it's my kind of thing. So I really enjoyed this. I thought it was a lot of fun. a uh, lot of chain wrestling, not a submission. It was really cool to watch two people wrestle like Vic Faulkner, which I haven't seen, who'd look absolutely nothing like Vic Faulkner. So, <laughs> so, so yes, this was a lot of fun. What's your thoughts on this one, Chelsea?
0: This is, this a, match is a match of the match night, of for night for
1: me. Yes. Um,
0: um, on this card, I I thought this was a standout. And, I mean, I like Shug D. I like Trishadora. I think they're both really interesting wrestlers who are really good at marketing themselves. Um... But I did not know that either of them had this level of technical skill. I and I feel I've almost felt like embarrassed for myself just because I was like I did not know that either of you were that good, and I liked both of you a lot. Uh, I thought that there were, you know, like the first three minutes were kind of fairly standard. Um, and then once they got into the chain wrestling and the technical wrestling and the counters for your counters for your counters submission stuff, this took off. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed this match. And I also, I just, I have to say that Trisha Dora having a Lariat named Lariat Tubman, is <laughs> just, it's just the best because everybody I saw on Twitter who watched this show, who was not familiar with her, instantly was like, wow, I love that chicken. She's badass. And lots of people who saw my tweet, because I, I post about a lot of things that aren't related to wrestling, who did not know anything about wrestling at all, saw the um, quote tweet I did of a GIF of her doing lariat Tubman and were like, that's the greatest name for a finishing move I've ever seen. That's genius. Um, also, I didn't realize that that Shug D, I think I kind of took this for granted about him, that he was this level of a physical communicator. I, I mean I know that guy's a good storyteller and I know he's really good at character work, but there was a moment in the match where he gets Trish um hanging across the middle rope in the corner and does a double stomp onto her ribs. And it is um very crisp and almost almost like dainty looking he doesn't do it like Sasha Banks style where she uses her knees he does it with his feet and he just sort of skims his toes over her midsection which is very safe and also looks like it's almost like you're dissing somebody like it looks like a giant show of disrespect it's like a, fuck you I don't even need to hit you super hard to be able to beat you and it was just so delicious. Like, he just, he really leaned into being the nasty bad guy in a way, which, like, he has to work hard to do that, I think, because he's so charismatic and likable, and so many indie wrestling fans love that guy. Um, but he knew that Trish, not just that she was going to go over and retain, but that, like, she had to be the babyface in that match, if that makes sense. Like, there was no other way that that match would have Um, held together and allowed her to like, you know, be the champion that she needed to be on this show. And I thought all those little subtle details that I saw from him where he really just like leaned into being the jerk that you boo without going too far. I was just really, really impressed with that level of character work in his wrestling. Like it wasn't just, wasn't just promos. It wasn't just like gimmicky stuff. It was that, that, um he was expressing that with all of the details in his wrestling. And I love that stuff. I think it's so, so smart.
1: No, I completely agree with you. I think it's the little stuff with him, and I think he clicked onto that earlier. I remember in his early days in Shikara when they did the random team thing for King of Trios one year, and he ended up in fist with um uh was it icarus and johnny gargano and um thingy from best friends his name escapes me scott no not scott Ah, him anyway he was with them and it was just like they lost because they cheated and they always lost because they were bad at cheating (laughs) and as they're walking off you just hear him say have you tried not cheating maybe we should do (laughs) and that was it it's just like that one line puts your character his character in that this frustrated place because he's stuck with these guys who can't do things like competently because, you know, it's, um, just, just not their character. So yeah, but it was yeah. just, it just from, he got that a bit early and then he's come to the UK and he's done a lot of work on training and the British style. I think he's very influenced by the British style. I think it's one of the reasons why he wanted to spend time in Red Pro. And now he's got all those technical chops which rely on you telling a story with your face and rely on you telling a story with your body. You know you have to sell correctly. You have to. It's a bit of a chess game. You know, I was Alan Cheapshot was pointing out this week that a lot of people don't like Johnny Saint style, and one of the reasons why is in in American fans is because you can't take Johnny Saint stuff away from Johnny Saint and expect it to work for everybody else. It works within the context. And because Shug has that context, it works for him. That British style works brilliantly. And especially with someone like Trisha Dora, who can go just as well as he can, it makes sense. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it totally does. Sorry, yes. I forgot to unmute my microphone. Yes, it makes sense. Um, I, I never thought about it that way. But I, I can see what you're talking about.
1: Sorry. I oh. do uh, I forgot to mute my microphone, and then remuted it, and then unmuted it again. Anywho, let's move on. Next was Calvin Dankman versus O'Shea Edwards, nine minutes and ten seconds, os battle. They ate each other really quite hard, and they are large gentlemen. And um, that's and I enjoyed it. What well, it was, it was really cool. I thought it was good. What did you think of this? Yeah,
0: I agree. I, agree. Um, um, I-, I- I'm not usually super hot on the big man versus big man matches. My, my personal aesthetic preference in wrestling is usually when you have some kind of size disparity. Um, but uh, I I really enjoyed this. Um, Calvin Tankman is mostly new to me, although I, I had heard his name a whole bunch, but I think just because I've been more disengaged from wrestling while he's been having this like hot streak, I hadn't really seen him before. But I was really impressed with his ability. Um, he is fast, and he knows where his opponent is even when they're not looking at each other, and I thought that was really impressive. And um, I think he was in this match, correct me if I'm wrong, because somebody else was supposed to be. Or was it O'Shea Edwards who was in this match because, yeah, because they, it was they, someone be. else
1: was supposed to be? Yeah, I can't remember who I had to pull out, though. Uh, I think uh, John
0: I think Davis.
1: Davis. Yes, possibly. Um, um I like John Davis. He's good. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, and um, I thought O'Shea Edwards was l- really good here. He looked like a big monster. And, I mean, that's a thing he does really well. Um, and I think if you put those two on a different card and you gave them either, like, the second to last match of the night or the last match of the night, I think they could do really well because um, they hit each other very hard and they made it entertaining to watch.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what a hospital has to be, currently enough. Uh, And there was kind of a semi-host battle in the next match as well. Willow Nightingale defeats Devon Munro, Faye Jackson and Marty Bell in 7 minutes and 30 seconds. This was, I kind of found it hit and miss in certain spots. And that's to do with experience. Marty Bell and Willow Nightingale are great. And Devon Munro and Faye Jackson are very, very good. But I didn't think it gelled the way they wanted it to all the time. Having said that, you could tell... Willow Nightingale, I absolutely adore. I think she's amazing. I love my Bell, I've, and I, and I really enjoy faye Jackson, Devon Monroe. I enjoyed all their work. Didn't quite gel, I think, the way they wanted it to. But I, someone posted a picture on this week of um Terry Gordy, and said who's the most person most like Terry Gordy in Monday Wrestling? And I realized whilst I was watching this match, it's Na- Willow Nightingale. Like she has wow, the, te- wow. I think she has the technical chops that Terry Gordy had. But she has that brawling ability to really demolish people the way Terry Gordy could. You know, if I, if anyone I could pick anyone, I wouldn't necessarily pick a guy because she does it. In I think she's just so good at it. I think she's I yeah. think she's just yeah. so good. I think she's that got that intense presence that really lifted this match. I think Marty Bell has got that Christmas again, that professionalism because she's she's an NWA person. She's a former Impact wrestler. She's got TV experience that maybe Devin Monroe and Faye Jackson don't have yet. And I think this match was a lot better because of Willow Nightingale and Marty Bell. And I don't think... I think it could be better if they did it over again. I'm not saying it was bad, Mm because I don't think it was bad. But I think it was just... There could be improvement. What do you think of it, Chelsea?
0: So, I liked, first of all, that they called it a Divas match. And they explicitly said, like, this is a Divas match. Um, I think that the conversation about what the Divas era of WWE is and what it means now is a, you know, it's a debate that like women's wrestling fans have are used to having that discourse amongst themselves and used to having it with misogynistic male wrestling fans all the time. And like TLDR, the thing that matters about the Divas era, right. Is that, uh divas wrestling was first of all it was not all a trash fire the way that lots of misogynistic rail fans male fans would like you to believe um there were lots of women doing good work in that time period and i think that the problem with women's wrestling is always that there are talented women who are either put in positions where they can't look like stars even though they should because they aren't given enough time to develop or they aren't given the right platform. Um, or, uh, you know, you get women who are really, really, really good, but aren't given the right opportunities. So I loved that they called this a Divas match. I want um, I want women wrestlers and also male wrestlers like Devin Monroe. Um, I, I looked it up, by the way. Devin Monroe does use he, him pronouns, so I think I'm comfortable calling him male. Um, uh, he... Um, you know, has a very, like, femme aesthetic and absolutely has stuff in his ring work that is clearly influenced by the Divas era of wrestling. I mean, like, he did a rear view in this match, which I totally marked for because I love Naomi. Um, I absolutely want um, women and queer men and men who have femme aesthetics and really anybody who has that kind of, like, femme glam, silly, fun aesthetic in their wrestling to take that shit back and run with it. I think that's awesome. I think that's really healthy. Um, I also think, you know, this match was put in the right spot on the card. It was a little bit of a cool down so that everybody could relax and have some fun after the Haas fight that, that came right before it. Um, I, uh, I love Faye Jackson. I am glad that she has been getting more opportunities in the last couple of years because I think she is a really fun, charismatic presence. She's really good at marketing herself. She's so funny on Twitter. If you don't follow her on Twitter, you should. Um, I I don't think she's a, like, you know, necessarily like the most technical wrestler. And it's clear that she would benefit from some TV experience at some point. I hope that's something that's in the future for her. But uh, I thought she was enjoyable. Um, I, I totally agree with you about Willow Nightingale. I think Willow is really underrated. I think she is so technically sound. She is so much fun to watch. I'm a big fan of her and Solo Darling working together as a tag team. And it was fun to see her do some solo stuff this weekend. Um, I thought this was one of the best Marty Bell matches that I've ever seen. And Marty Bell gets a really terrible rap on wrestling Twitter because, I I mean, I don't even really know why. I don't know if it's just that she came from Impact or... If it's that she is not necessarily like the the technician in a lot of the matches that she has, you know, she's clearly more of like a brawler type and she has a more like, um, I don't know how to put it. Like her toolkit as a wrestler is a little smaller than some of the other women wrestlers who come from that same like generation of female wrestlers who were on TV at the same time. Um, you know, she's not she's not Mia Yim or Allison Kaye, but she also doesn't need to be. She's sort of, like, universally known to be a consummate professional in locker rooms. She's regarded by a lot of the women who she works with as someone who is fun to work with and a really good person. And I think those things matter more than whether or not she's always, like, the most super-professional proficient technician i don't know i'm saying these things because it sounds like i'm trash talking her and i don't want to trash talk her but i saw a lot of people on twitter trash talking her and i didn't think that was fair i thought she was really good in this match i thought she looked good in the shimmer card that happened the day after that um and i i I appreciated her presence in this match a lot. I, like like you said, she's obviously used to wrestling in front of a camera and knows what to do, and I appreciated that. Um, I thought this was fun. I agree with you that it could have been better, um, and I do think that everyone in this match is really talented. I think Devin Monroe is clearly a standout, not someone I was super familiar with, but my God, what an athlete, and so charismatic, like so charismatic. Um, I want to see more things from all the people in this match and I'm hoping that if um, there is another for the culture show in the future that we'll get some cool singles matches or maybe another cool tag match out of some of the people in this match.
1: Agreed. This match doesn't work without Marty Bell just to say when you're saying she's the glue wrestler that held us all together. She is the most experienced wrestler out of the four of them. It would have been her job to make sure that that match flowed as well as it did. And especially when you've got so many spots in it to, to kind of reel off. So, yeah, it, Marty Bell is an exceptional wrestler. But you're right, because she isn't quite as flashy. And she's a bit more character-led. And, you know, I think as well, the dollhouse in Impact, and I'm as, I'm as uh, guilty as anyone, the dollhouse angle in Impact wasn't really the best for certain people. I kind of wanted Mayim Yim to come in as a killer and take over straight away because I've been a yeah. big fan of While and uh, it kind of like seemed to stub everyone's momentum, and it was, and it wasn't their fault. It's just it wasn't great writing, and it it was kind of like trying to rehash the beautiful people. I think she's still suffering from it, whereas Maya Yim has moved on. (laughs) Obviously, yeah, just stuck in another terribly written angle, but that's not her fault again. (laughs) But yeah, so I think that's the thing. I think this is the thing, like. You know, some people, Vince McMahon included, think factions cure everything, and they really don't. But anywho, let us move on. AJ Gray wrestled and beat Desmond Xavier in 11 minutes and 36 seconds. Uh, Yeah, Desmond Xavier, again, impact wrestler, one of the rascals, and uh, kind of really on the money here. And AJ Gray is really, really good, well-matched, competitive wrestling match that looked crisp and clean. What are your thoughts on this one, Chelsea? I can't really say an awful lot more about it.
0: Yeah, I thought this was fun. Um, I think that I maybe would have gotten more invested in it if there hadn't already been so much stuff that I was excited about on this card previously. Um, but it was it was fast. It was clean. It was fun. Both those guys looked like stars because both those guys are stars. Um, I think that uh, I'm glad that the people who booked this show included Desmond Xavier on it because I think that he is someone who is more talented than a lot of the opportunities that he's had in his career have really given him credit for. Um, And I think that's one of the things that this whole card did really well is trying to give cool opportunities to people who deserve them who may not get them elsewhere. I think that, again, I think I would have been more excited about this if it had either been in a different place on the card or had just been part of a different show that had, like, a lower overall, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, if it, it, I think it would have been more of a standout if there hadn't been so much quality already right before it. But um, I thought it was fun. You know, I don't really have any complaints about it. I liked it.
1: That's the thing. I mean... I've been watching, obviously, if you've been listening, today at the G1 on the Tree Finish Show channel, plug, plug, plug. But if you've been listening to that, the New Japan shows, as of late, have been two-and-a-half-hour shows because they're not allowed to run them any longer than that. So they've just done the G1 matches plus a Young Lions match. And it's made me appreciate a a two-and-a-half-hour show is so much easier to digest. And this three-hour show with ten matches on it compared to a a two-and-a-half-hour show with five or six matches on it is like night and day. Like there's just so much density. This is like trying to eat two steaks at once. Whereas the New Japan show is a lot act that you won't believe it, but New Japan show is like a lot more digestible when you don't have a bunch of tag matches to start off with and stuff. So I think this is the thing. I think it's just this was there is nothing wrong with the individual matches on this. I think there is just a law of diminishing returns that the more stuff you try and cram in, the less it's gonna be appreciated.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Okay then, so move on to Lee Moriarty. He defeats ACH in 16 minutes in an outstanding professional wrestling match. I have to say this was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. I don't think it was as good as Shug and Trish my, from my taste of point of view, but again, there was again it, another level and notch of intensity and I think it was really good. It was kind of technical and Big TV wrestling, which you kind of come to expect, and Lee Moriarty was not far behind ACH, and I'm happy with it for what it was. What are your thoughts on this one, Chelsea?
0: Yeah, I thought this was really good. Um, I agree with you that, like, for me personally, I thought that some of the stuff that came before it was maybe a little more interesting, but um, I thought this was really good. I think Lee Moriarty is someone that I haven't seen a lot of, but I really liked him. Um, I think... He is clearly a really amazing athlete and he is really like fast and crisp. And I appreciated that. Um, I thought that for him to hold his own with ACH, who is so, so technically experienced and so capable and, um, you know, has had a, a fair amount of um, TV time and different promotions. I thought he still um, held his own and looked like a complete well rounded wrestler. And um, that is probably really difficult to do. I mean, I, I would imagine a lot of less experienced guys would be intimidated to work with someone like ACH because ACH has been everywhere and done a little bit of everything. Um, I also thought that the sort of like dynamic between the two of them was really fun. You know, you sort of had that thing where like ACH is the veteran and everybody knows it, Lee is like the more up and comer. And has to um, prove that he deserves to be in there. And I thought they did a good job of building that story in there along with the fun spots that they did. Um, And all the spots were fun. You know, I liked, um, I'm trying to remember what it's called, ACH's finisher, where he picks a guy up vertically, like a suplex, and then uh, sort of, like, drops him down like a buster. Um, Buster call. That's it. It was good. I liked that. I put that in my notes. Um, So I really enjoyed this. And I think if you're trying to cherry pick stuff from this weekend to watch, it would be a good one. It was fun.
1: For sure, definitely. I think uh, some of this card suffered as well because there's no real angles going into it. It was just a bunch of matches. So when (laughs) when when you kind of set it on its own, sometimes that doesn't work. But this was the kind of match that could work anywhere on any card. And it was well worth it. So that was good. And then the main event was A.R. Fox, who defeated two cold Scorpio in 14 minutes and eight seconds. Two cold Scorpio is 54 years old. He started wrestling before A.R. Fox was born. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And despite the fact he is around about 20 pounds heavier than he was in his heyday. And the fact that I have never seen quite a human body like that, where the fact that He's quite clearly put on weight, but still has dashboard, um, washboard abs, and I don't understand how that works. It's like the muscles gained fat. He
0: probably knows he the right knows things, the right to, things to, do to do with his, his diet and his interest. training
1: yeah. to
0: keep he those abs. Because you don't, you don't just you like don't just arbitrarily have, abs. have those abs. abs. Like he has practice at keeping he's those keeping abs. abs. He knows what he he's knows doing.
1: We see the last time I saw him wrestle was at the ECW Hardcore Homecoming show in 2013, and he was 30 pounds lighter and absolutely ripped. I mean, he looked like Finn Balor, <laughs> and he's clearly time has caught up with him because he isn't 46 anymore. <laughs> but you know, it's just like, but he still wrestles like it's ECW Arena in 1995, 1995, and he's wrestling the Sandman for the World TV title, doesn't he? Yeah. And that's the that's the terrifying thing about this. There were so many good veteran performances this weekend from people who to be quite frank, are all to no, know better. But we're so glad they don't do better because this was ace this was a lot of fun to watch. And A. R. Fox paid respect to the man but took the win, which I think was the right decision. But it was it really did showcase how cool uh Scorpio was in the Hayes Heyday and still is today. And yeah, you know, Tuka yeah. Scorpio doesn't get the props he deserves. He's one of the only Caucasians to win titles in New Japan, WCW, ECW. Let's get this right: ECW, WCW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling, and Noah. You tell me a guy who's done that, and there are many of them. So yeah, he was absolutely a standing professional wrestler, and I was really glad to get to see this match. What are your thoughts on it, Chelsea?
0: I totally agree. Um, I I knew less of the actual, like, tick box things that Too Cold Scorpio had done in his career, but I know that he's had a long and storied career. And that, um, correct me if I'm wrong, he really hasn't stopped wrestling at any point. Like, he's just kind of continued on through his heyday up to now. Um And uh, you can tell there is no ring rust on that guy whatsoever. He looks amazing. He is so charismatic. He absolutely has that veteran thing of like, I know that if I do this little tiny gesture that's familiar to you and you watch me on TV in the 90s, it's going to pop the crowd. And like he, he, you know, he can wiggle his shoulders or stomp his feet or scrape them over the mat in the right way. And people just mark for it. They get excited. And um, he he had the crowd on the palm of his hand. It was awesome. A.R. Fox is great. Um, He is uh, another one of those guys who I felt like, I was really glad to see him have this opportunity in a main event on this card specifically, that was like, you know, a, like that marketed itself as a black wrestling show, because I think that guy deserves big opportunities. And I don't know that he necessarily gets them when he deserves them. Um, I thought some of the bumps he took in this match were a little hard to watch, but I mean, that's AR Fox. That's what he does. And um, I I agree with you that I thought that him going over was the right decision because it means that um, I'm hoping, at least, if they do another one of these, that he could have a main event match with another big name and either pass that momentum on or keep it going. And that would be really, really cool. Um, I thought the chemistry between these two was awesome. And I would love to watch them wrestle another match sometime if that's a thing that they're into. Um, I also just like how how does two cold Scorpio still do it, man? Like <laughs> everything just looked so good. I, I, I I'm I, just so impressed by that guy.
1: New Japan dojo. That's where he got, well, he didn't start there. He basically got to a self-taught. He was mates with Leon white. Cause he's from Denver and he got jobs all over with Leon. And then um, I think it was Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero got him into the new Japan dojo and uh he he basically got murdered for about 10 weeks because it was all shoot style and didn't know what he was doing and Benoit and Guerrero taught him enough not to get murdered. and then he kind of went from there and then WCW won ECW picked him up for the for American stuff and of course WCW wanted him because he was a New Japan guy and it went from there and then Buff Bagwell and um I can't remember the tag team even Buff Bagwell had um <laughs> but yeah that was that was a start point really. And Never really looked back. He was a big star for, uh, for a long time. And, um, still is. And he still wrestles like a star. He still wrestles like yeah. he did. Yeah. He like a superstar. Yes. The Big Gay Brunch, or Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Should point out, by the way, Indianapolis made it State Pro Wrestling Day. which I thought That's, was awesome. Really That's cool. awesome. That is really cool. I, uh, good on Indianapolis. There we go. Indiana, I should say, not Indianapolis. Indianapolis is the city. <laughs> but, yeah, good for them. Marion County Fairgrounds we were in, by the way. No attendance on this, but I guess around about 400, I think. Most of the shows seem to be about the same size crowd. I'm assuming Someone they just had- I think they just moved in for the weekend and just slept where they were by the way. <laughs> that's what I'd do. That's what that's that's the obvious thing to do. You've got like a bubble and no one's gonna infect anyone else. I shouldn't make jokes about this. There was somebody who was infected on the show. But anywho. Um, this this was yeah I thought it was it did look very similar fans anyway from show to show let's put it that way there's a bit of a, a bit of a change of tone on the bloodsport show because those guys were very male but um, generally speaking it was the same looking guns guys so this show opened with Team Sea Stars Ashley Vox and Delmi they defeated AC Mackinac and Star in 13 minutes and 31 seconds love me some Sea Stars they're ace and they proved to be very ace in this show I like these guys a lot. Like AC Mack and Ashton Star 2, and this was a good, fast-paced opening tag team match, the kind of thing you want to see on the opening of any show, really. Someone put a question out uh, earlier this week. I can't remember who it was, but they said, "What if you're showing somebody wrestling for the first time, what would you show them? And this is the kind of match I would show them. This is the basics of how professional wrestling works. That's what you kind of need to show on a show like this that's meant for a different type of audience and you're not really sure what the audience is going to be. Cause it's kind of experimental. This was the ideal thing to put in his place. What do you think Chelsea?
0: Yeah. I thought this was really good. Um, I, I think in terms of how they did in this match, like the specific people in this match and all the stuff they did in it, I would give this like an eight out of 10 on the potential scale. I feel like if this had been booked later in the card, Everybody in this match would have gone even harder. Um, in particular, I also wanted to say that Ashton's star really looks like a star. And I saw a lot of people giving credit to everyone else in this match, but just not saying that. So I felt like I needed to say it. Like, I really enjoy that guy. I think his character is interesting. I think he's very charismatic. I think he's a great wrestler, great athlete. Um I I wanted to give him his props because uh, the Sea stars are really well known to wrestling fans and really charismatic. So it's hard to, um, you know, hold a candle to somebody like that and also get the audience to pay attention to you. And I think he successfully did that. So um, I really enjoyed this and I would happily watch another tag team match with the same lineup again.
1: Agreed. I think that's a perfectly good thing. To say about this type match, it was very, very good for what it was. Next up was Still Life with Apricots and Pears defeating Dark Sheik in 16 minutes, which was my favourite match of the night, or early afternoon, I guess, when this was shown originally. <laughs> this was brilliant. I love watching these two. This was ace, and you really, I, I will point out, if you go to the Still Life of Apric- with Apricots and Pears uh, cage match page, under gender, it says diverse. Uh, which yep. summed this match absolutely perfectly. It was a diverse mix of brawling and wrestling and just a celebration of grappling in general with two characters who weren't really baby faces and weren't really heels. They just kind of did their thing. And I really enjoyed them doing their thing. What did you think, Chelsea?
0: Oh, I was still thinking about this match for two or three days, at least like, twice a day after I watched it. I loved, loved, loved this match. Um, I knew that Still Life existed from Chikara, but I hadn't actually seen any of their work. And also I just wanted to add, I just saw a tweet from Still Life saying that they use both she, her, and they, them pronouns, that they are non-binary and transgender. So both she, her, and they, them pronouns are okay. so I thought that uh, they were really, really good. I thought um, I love the I love the absurdity of calling yourself "Still Life with Apricots and Pears." I just that's genius. Um, I uh, I think the mysterious costume is fascinating, especially because it's one of the only sets of gear that I saw on this show that wasn't trying to be either like overtly you know macho wrestler type gear or overtly like super femi beautiful it was just it was just designed to keep you interested and it accomplished that i thought that was fascinating um dark sheik is such a badass like one of the one of the founders of hood slam um, openly a trans woman which is you know you, it not something that you saw a lot of in professional wrestling when dark sheik's career started um and i mean these two together it was just it was it was so satisfying to me. It was like hearing a really good song from a band you haven't discovered yet for the first time where you know that there were people in that audience, both like in the arena, I'm sure, and watching it streaming who not only got excited about it, but maybe even like understood themselves better for watching it. And that's like the highest compliment I can pay to a piece of art. Like this was... This was queer art for queer people and it was delicious. Um, I think it should have been later in the card because it totally stole the show for me. I, I could not stop thinking about it. Um, at no point in this match did I correctly guess what move someone was setting up for like not even not even once. I didn't see even like the sunset flip powerbomb or not powerbomb, but the sunset flip at the beginning. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see any of the submissions coming. Even the surfboard was like a weird variety I had never seen before. And as someone who is kind of obsessed with the concept of like moves in wrestling and what those things mean, that was just so fascinating to me. Um, I loved watching these two. These two could, could headline any card, any show and it would just be, you know, something I would be thrilled to watch. I, I think they're both stars. They both look like stars. They click together so well. They just had instant chemistry. They're both so intelligent at communicating with little tiny details. And um, it was just, it was just so refreshing and fun to watch. I can't think of another match exactly like it. And, you know, that's that's hard to say, frankly, like about a lot of things. That's that's not a, a compliment. I can pay a lot of awesome wrestling matches. Um, this was awesome and unique. And if you haven't seen this card yet, you 100 percent absolutely need to track this card down for this match
1: specifically. It is that good. Hey, could I lose you, James? James? No, I locked my phone <laughs> by mistake. This is the trouble. It's like, <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to keep touching my screen so it doesn't lock itself. I'll say this I have literally spent a watch month watching New Japan Pro Wrestling's best wrestlers put on their best performances in the G1 climax. This would have worked on a G1 card and would have been better than most matches on that G1 card. Yep certainly this year's G1. Maybe not previous years where the standard was that much higher, but this would have fitted in a G1 card absolutely brilliantly and would have worked really, really well and was of that kind of standard. It's a great wrestling match, as well as being all the things you said, Chelsea. It it tells the story of two very different styles and all the things you expect in a wrestling match, and it's exactly what what we kind of look for. And when we talk about great wrestling, this is it. This is what great wrestling should be like. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so we'll move on to the eight-man tag. Second gear crew, one Cole, Manders, Mance Warner and Matthew Justice and Levi Everett, defeat Billy Dixon, Joshua Vara, MV Young and O'Shea Edwards in 15 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, It was a a bit of a mess, but it was a fun mess. It was just two teams brawling their way through 15 minutes of wrestling, and it was as fun as that is ever going to be. I won't say more about that because there were some blown spots in this and left, right, and center, but it was good. I thought it was fun. And I, I can't really say any more than that. What do you think of it, Chelsea?
0: So I think that I might not have known what the story was going into this match if Jay Rose hadn't posted a little video on Twitter either the night before or a couple of days before, basically like posting a, a warning to, um, to the team of, uh, Billy Dixon and, um, do they have a team name? Billy Dixon and B young, Josh Wavra and O'Shea Edwards. And O'Shea Edwards essentially Edwards. like if they didn't get their they didn't get stuff together, stuff together, stuff together, together get, like, get like on the same page as a team that SGC was going to destroy them. And that, you know, they, it was important for them to like make a statement and talking all of them up. And, um, I just want to take this opportunity to mention that I think Jay Rose is a really, really talented content creator in wrestling. And I say content creator because he kind of does a little bit of everything. It seems like he edits videos, he does promos, he booked, I think much of this show. Um, clearly like someone who is headed for like a Rocky Romero level of like, um, behind the scenes, weight and influence. Like I totally see that stuff in that guy. Um, I thought, uh, like you said, there were a lot of blown spots in this match, which was a little disappointing, but I think pretty much everybody in it seems like they're really talented and just maybe would have thrived better under different circumstances. Um, MV Young is awesome and really, really funny. Josh Wavra is, I think, fairly new, if, I can, if I'm if i right, like fairly green. I think he's only been doing this for four or five years, maybe, but um, he seemed really good. Um, uh, um, O'Shea Edwards is is awesome. He's the big powerhouse bruiser and I couldn't believe it when he walked out on his team. That was that was the moment in the match where I was like, "Uh-oh, everything's going to hell for all of those guys." And um and Billy Dixon wearing a shirt that says SGC is pussy. I know you might have to believe that. Um <laughs> Oh, I saw that and I was like, "Oh my god, Billy Dixon." Like, oh my god, Billy Dixon.
1: Billy, Billy um, Dixon talking about cats there obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, um Billy Dixon, Billy Dixon is, is a really interesting wrestler. He is talented in the ring, I think, but I think he is one of those guys who is always thinking about how to make himself stand out, how to put together an interesting story. And I don't know that we've seen him sort of like come into his own as uh You know, as that kind of talent, like, I feel like at some point in the future, that guy is going to lock down some specific type of either character or gimmick or storyline, something that is going to just put him over the top and get him signed somewhere. And I don't know what that thing is, but I see that in the future for him because he's just, he's got a lot of potential. I, you can't help but notice that guy and appreciate that guy when he shows up. So, um, that was my big takeaway from this match is that I, I like Billy Dixon and uh, I thought that the story going into it was good. And I think, but um, just, you know, there were some unfortunate mishaps.
1: I think from my point of view, I mean, like Billy Dixon, I think the two guys who I knew best out of this was Billy Dixon and Mantua. Billy Dixon, not because of his wrestling, but because of his online presence and his, the things he says on Twitter and how, that got me interested in looking at him and what he's he like. Mance Warner through his wrestling. So, you know, there's kind of two different I mm. think it's the mm. modern way wrestlers are getting over. It isn't necessarily always about in-ring content. And Mance Warner is such is such a good, useful idiot, if that makes sense. He kind of comes across as mm. as a character as just being dude. And I like that a lot. I like characters like that. They're a bit of a blank slate, because you can make them anything you want them to be. Whereas Billy Dixon's the opposite. He's a very cerebral, very clever way he kind of presents himself. And I think that's... they Traditionally, those roles would have been reversed for a white wrestler and a black wrestler. And I think it's great that you essentially have this this way around where Mance can be just Mance Warner and it, he's cool at what he does and stuff. But Billy Dixon does really think really about, you're right, about getting himself over, but also what's my opponent going to do? Because if I get them over, it'll get me over even more. Yeah, so he's yeah. he's the right guy. He's got a great wrestling mind. I'm always a big fan of a good wrestling mind um, because it, it it's better than the sum of its parts. And some of the people in wrestling who you didn't think have great wrestling minds definitely did have better wrestling minds than you thought. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's got that Stokely, Stokely Hathaway thing of like,
1: yeah.
0: I don't necessarily, necessarily know... know. What's coming next in wrestling? But that guy, that guy is paying attention to all of it and is going to figure it out before most other people do, and he's going to figure out how to capitalize on it somehow.
1: Yeah, definitely. He's he's going to be one of those guys. I think Mance warner will get there just through hard work and sheer determination and charisma. But Billy Dixon will get there because he's smarter than everybody else. Yep, right. totally agree. Totally agree. Next up, we had Jamie Senegal versus Ali Cat in a bona fide dream match, I think. Of all the ones on this card, when I saw the card, I was like, ooh, I want to see that. I think those two will be great together. And to be fair, they were. I love Ali Kat. I love Jamie Senegal. They're absolutely amazing. And this was, I think, probably the second best match on the card for me. I think this was really, really good. And it was kind of more of a straight-up wrestling match, kind of a North American indie match that you kind of expect to see. What do you think, Chelsea? This
0: was so fun that I didn't tweet anything, tweet anything while I was watching while like I think I tweeted that I like Alley Cat and okay. that, Jamie that Jamie Senegal is, is hot is really and, awesome. and awesome, and both those things are true. are true. But I just enjoyed it. Um, I did not have any cerebral thoughts while I was watching it. I just, I just really enjoyed it. Um, I think they're both so charismatic. And I love Allie's whole thing of like, you have to pet my belly because it's just, it can either be super, super freaking silly like it is in this match, or it can be something that she can use as like a point of pride when she works with people like her, um, like the match she had with Nick Gage, um, where she's like, you're going to pet my belly. Um, It was really silly. Um, Jamie Senegal is always awesome. One of the coolest finishers in professional wrestling, such a great natural gymnastic ability. Um, such a good athlete. Really, really enjoyed these two. Um, I I don't know if this was as memorable as I think I wanted it to be, probably. But maybe that's just because I was focused on enjoying it. Like, it wasn't trying to make a big statement. It was just silly fun with those two being awesome.
1: Yeah, I think I, I kind of, like, with these two being the names that they are in the industry at the minute, you kind of wanted like Tanahashi Okada, but it can't yeah. really because <laughs> it's, they're not really those kind of wrestlers. They're great at what they do, but you know, and it, and it was fun. And I think that was the main thing, wasn't it? It was just fun. Yeah. Right. Then move on to the twink gauntlet match. Devin Monroe defeated Austin, Luke, Boom, Harden, some bloke, cause it says three question marks, Calvin Couture, Dylan Mackay, Jared Evans, Jimmy Lloyd, Juicy Jimmy, Kit Osborne, Cody Manhorn, Logan Stunt, Marcus Mathers, Molly McCoy, Powerhouse, Sean Henderson, Tony Deppin and Tyler Clean. Tony Deppin got uh, convicted, not convicted. Tony Deppin got diagnosed with COVID. Get well soon, Tony. But uh, apart from that, this was a mess pretty much from start to finish. But it was a fun mess. I didn't really mind so much. It wasn't ever going to be like, you know, Flair Steamboat, was it? So it's a battle royal and it was battle royally. What's your thoughts on this one, Chelsea?
0: So um, so first of all, I want to say that I, I, if I remember correctly, I think the spot that involved uh, spitting a beer from one person's mouth into another person's mouth was Juicy Jimmy and Tony Deppen. Wrestlers should not be doing things like that. Ever, But they really, really, really shouldn't be doing things like that during a viral pandemic. And I'm not saying that because I want to rub it in. Tony Deppin seems like a nice guy. And I, um, I thought he was good on the show. He was willing to be the bad guy during the intermission. Um, Which props to him for that. Um, But, uh, you know, seriously, I hope he like gets a lot of rest and gets well soon and that he and his um, wife and their unborn child are all okay and healthy and safe. But um, seriously, wrestlers, please stop spitting at each other during a viral pandemic. It's bad. Don't do it. You could literally get somebody killed. uh, yeah, this match was kind of a mess. Um, I did not think commentary was all that amazing during this match. And that this is really probably the only match on the show where I feel like I can say I kind of bristled at some of the things commentary said. Um, some of the stuff they said about Jimmy Lloyd, like being a guy that you would pick up in a bathroom at a gas station. I just, I will say I hope that they cleared that with him before they said those things. I know that a lot of times wrestlers are not as sensitive about that stuff as I am, but um, I just, I don't know. I hope he was okay with somebody talking about him like that. Uh, I thought that a lot of this wasn't super, super memorable, even though the people in it I individually like. I like Pero a lot. I think Pero is a good wrestler who should be given more opportunities on more big cards and probably isn't in part because he's openly gay. And I'm sure that has hurt his career because he is definitely better than some of the obnoxious big men types that Vince McMahon likes to hire and give infinite chances to before they inevitably burn out and prove that there was really no reason to give them a chance in the first place. Um, Pero is uh, easily a guy who could fill a spot like that on a big roster and do much better with it than a lot of those people. And... Um, I just see the fact that he's been, you know, vocally, openly gay and a part of the gay community and supportive of gay talent and gay shows as being a thing that's probably held him back in his career. And I think that sucks. So I'm glad that Epi put him on this card. Um, I think Devin Monroe is absolutely the right winner for this because Devin Monroe is a huge talent. Um, Like I said before, uh, when we were talking about For the Culture, I think that guy is is awesome. I think he is so charismatic and fun and he has a really cool look and I love that he is, you know, openly gay and is also just like, you know, very silly in um, the way he performs when that's what's called for, but can also be serious and more technical and um, I just think that guy is so talented, and I'm hoping that if Effie does another Big Gay Brunch, that he'll get Devin Monroe a really cool singles match on that card, because I think that guy deserves it. So, um, I liked this. I didn't think it was anything earth-shattering. It probably wasn't supposed to be. It was probably supposed to be, like, the you know, the silly cool-down before you get to the last few matches on the card. Um, and it accomplished that. It was It was silly and fun.
1: Yeah, agreed. I think the next one as well, Marco Stump versus Effie, was silly and fun, really. It could have been a bit more than that, because uh, I'd like to see seen Effie wrestle a bit more, but it was just kind of like Marco Stump coming back to DCW for this show and kind of lending his support as a big international star, which I think was kind of cool. And it was, he was, I think he was subbing for somebody as well, wasn't he? He was due to be somebody else. And it was
0: supposed to be Priscilla Kelly, Priscilla which would have been a very, different, very match. different
1: match. Yeah, I think so, and I think it was this this kind of had a feeling of booked on the fly to it. Let's do these spots to make it fun and and it'll be cool. And I was okay with it. It was again it didn't shake the earth for me, but it was it wasn't bad. And again it boils down to like, you know, Marco Stunt's had a year of television experience. He's a lot crisper now than he used to be. And kind of brought that to pan me. Brought that to this match as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I um I thought this was fun. I thought it was silly. Um, I probably shouldn't have watched it with my mom in the room, and I probably should have known that beforehand that um, invariably Effie was going to do something uh, very outrageous. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, the uh, the impaling someone on a dildo spot, notwithstanding, um, I thought it was I thought it was good. I thought that for a match that was probably thrown together less than 24 hours before it happened um they did a good thing with it and everybody got a chance to relax so that they could be ready emotionally for the main event
1: yes you're right sorry i managed to turn my speaker up my microphone i gotta go yeah i think this was it. It, it much the same i'll not be recommending this to my dad but um yeah it was good it was my dad by the way started watching raw again on monday because he likes Drew McIntyre. <laughs> Update on my dad. He started. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, like, it's okay. He, he likes Sasha and Bailey as well. Them two last an amazing match this week. Was what he told me much Anyway, yeah, and they did. Um. Anyway, yeah, and move on to the main event. Cassandro Alexotico defeats Sunny Kiss in 11 minutes and 23 seconds? This seemed a lot longer. This seemed like half an hour. Um. In a good way. I didn't mean it's like it seemed to drag. It just seemed they packed an awful lot of stuff into 11 minutes and 23 seconds. Uh, for those of you who not come across Cassandra anymore, she is a legendary, sorry, he is a legendary El Exotico from Mexico, has worked for Triple A, CMLL, for everybody. She's, sorry, I keep saying she. He is a, a wonderful wrestler. And uh, me and you have talked about Exoticos before because we were, unsure whether to do stuff about Exoticos when we did the LGBTQ special with Alex a few years ago because it was kind of something neither of us are particularly comfortable with because it kind of floats between being a positive empowering experience and an exploitative negative experience which obviously there's a lot of things to unpack there but Cassandra is probably the best exponent of it in the last 30 years and clearly for him, it's a very empowering experience. And Sonny Kiss, uh, as uh, Kevin Gill on commentary said, the best Exotico North America's ever produced. And yeah, she yeah. was absolutely fantastic. He was absolutely fantastic. And this was absolutely a dream match and absolutely the two right people to do this match. And it's the main event of this show. I think they both are massive stars within their own universes. I think, you know, it, it 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 was just the right thing to do, and it was a great match to finish the show on. What's your thoughts on this one, Chelsea?
0: So first, got to give Cassandro props for how hard he went in this match on his his own body. Like, there are bumps onto concrete, and there are bumps from the top rope, and a lot of people... I'm not sure how old Cassandro is, but a lot of people who have been wrestling for as long as that guy has would not have done this, but he absolutely... Treated this like the main event match that it was, and went out of his way to give um, not only a big performance that the crowd was going to react to, but give Sonny Kiss the opportunity to really shine and show off. Um, I I am not as familiar with Cassandra as I am with Sonny Kiss, just because Sonny Kiss is more modern and I've watched more things that he's in, but it was really cool that commentary kept talking about Cassandra like a legend. and talking about his storied career and talking about him as a trailblazer and a groundbreaker, because I think he, it obviously deserves that. Um, it can't have been easy playing a queer character of any kind in wrestling in the era when Cassandra started doing it. That had to have been a thing that was really, really challenging so um, for Cassandra to still be doing it is amazing and I'm glad that he gets to experience what is hopefully a more, uh, a more freeing, more celebratory era of wrestling for queer wrestlers. Obviously, I'm not trying to say that like, all of those social problems are fixed and that it's all sunshine and daisies now. It's not, but it's definitely better. And Sunny Kiss is proof that it's better. Um, Sunny Kiss, you know, recently had that big match with Cody for the TNT uh, television title on AEW, and commentary used both the he and she pronouns that Sonny has, you know, said are, are the pronouns that, um, that Sonny is comfortable with, um, and uh, got a pop star entrance with cheerleaders. And I was thinking about that while watching this match, because I was like, here you have Cassandro, who is this big, established, legendary star. Um, and there were people on Twitter who were absolutely, like, old school Lucha fans and fans of other promotions that I hadn't, ha- I wasn't as familiar with that Cassandra had worked in, um, where they were, like, watching for this match, like, excited to see what this was going to be, excited for Cassandro. And uh and Sunny Kiss who is like this hot talent that AEW has really embraced and run with and it's been so nice. Um I think they could run with him some more, to be clear. I'm just gonna say, um stop putting that guy in dark matches and put him on television every week because he is that good. Um I thought the wrestling itself was really fun. Uh I thought um I was wincing a little bit when I saw Cassandra limping after the show but I thought that they had good chemistry. I thought they did a good job taking care of each other during the high spots. Um, And I think uh, Sonny is on a level of technical skill that I, I feel like I knew that guy had it in him before we actually got to see her like really show that stuff off. You know what I mean? Like, I think for a long time, Sonny was known to fans on, um, on social media for, Uh, you know, back handspring uh, spots of like, you know, here I'm going to do an elbow to you in the corner and I'm going to do a bunch of flips in between. And it's cool to see Sonny in big high stakes matches where that's not the only story being told where it's not just look at what a great athlete she is. It's also like, um, you know, he can really go he can do the top rope high spots and he can do the submission moves where, you know, he has to be like tied up and, and selling for you. And he can make you look like a star just as much as, you know, being a charismatic talent in their own right or in her own right. I'm sorry. Um, Sunny has said that, that uh, he, she pronouns are okay, but they pronouns are not. So um, I, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was a great main event. Um, I liked the picture that Cassandro took with everybody afterwards with uh, with Effie and Paro and Sonny and Jimmy Senegal. I thought that was really, really cool. And Cassandro thanked everybody on Twitter for um, the warm reception that he got and thanked Sonny for the match. And you could tell that Sonny was really touched by having that match. And it was just like a really beautiful moment. I thought it was a cool moment for... Um, the culture of queer wrestling. I thought it was uh, exactly what the main event of this, you know, the big day brunch should be.
1: Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with you. And uh, it kind of closed out the show nicely. I, was, I think what you were saying about Sonny Kiss, I think she needs really, I like her and Joey Janella to do like a big feud with FTR. I think that would really establish both yeah! of them as something a bit more serious. I think, you know, I, I, Joey gets by on being the death-defying grappler, but actually he can go. And Sonny gets by on being the aerial artiste, but she can go. So if they went up against FDR over a long-term feud, I think that would be really interesting to see. I'm sure FDR have got business with the books first because that's the big funny match that, that everybody wants. But I think if you held it off, if you had those two teams going at it, and like having long matches, it's it's the Rock and Roll Express versus the Horseman for the modern era, isn't it? In my, I wouldn't my have thought opinion. of that if
0: you uh, hadn't you said, it. said it. Yeah, but I agree. I agree.
1: And I think I think FDR are also, I, I lots of people have said this, but I think FDR are a TV ready tag team who are very experienced in looking after less experienced tag teams. And I think they could do them the world of good in crisping them up and making them look like serious threats to a championship. So you could have more out of them, even if they didn't win the titles. There'd be if you married them together for three months. You can't really do that in modern TV wrestling, but if you did, you'd get a lot more out of both teams, I think, in the long run. Yeah, and it would be
0: fun. It would, be
1: it fun. would, just, it would be really just be really fun to watch. Fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right then, next move on to. Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 3. Uh, my favorite card of the three that we watched, I have to say, because it's my kind of thing. It's it's people hitting each other quite hard and doing weird submission holes from Wigan. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was on the 11th and in the Marion County Fairgrounds. Simon Grimm defeated Matt Mikowski in 8 minutes 31 seconds. This was kind of just a straight-up wrestling match, and it was kind of, it, it, again, it was one of those things Bloodsport kind of has to establish itself because it only happens like once or maybe twice a year. So they have to kind of establish what's Bloodsport about. Well, it's not really wrestling and it's not really MMA. It's this kind of halfway house. So they have to kind of put together this idea of let's have a match that just kind of establishes what's going on and lets people know what's happening. And these two guys were ideal for that, I thought. And it worked really well. Yeah,
0: I agree. Um, I hadn't seen a ton from Simon Grimm since he left NXT, but I mean, clearly that guy has been uh, still doing interesting stuff because I thought he looked good in this. Um, I'm not super familiar with Matt Nikowski, but I thought he looked impressive, too. And I thought this was a good, fun wrestling match to open the card, kind of establish what it is, but not burn the crowd out. So I enjoyed it
1: yeah for sure then we got into the women's tournament there was a women's tournament which had a first round match of uh, AK47 Alison K she defeated Killer Kelly in 12 minutes and 19 seconds I love Alison Kay. I love Killer Kelly this was the ideal environment to showcase both of them they don't need ropes they just need they just need to have a good wrestling match and this was a perfect kind of that style of wrestling match Alison K has done a lot of jujitsu work uh, Killer Kelly has got a big, strong martial arts background. So they make this look really realistic and stiff without it being ridiculously over the top. And, yeah, I think this was really, really cool. It was my kind of match. What did you think of this one, Chelsea?
0: This is probably my favorite match on the show. And um, I, I'm a big Allison Kay fan. I subscribe to her Patreon. I've interacted with her at a couple of shows where I you know, stood in line at her merch table. And she's always been really, really lovely. Um, and I love Killer Kelly. I think she is so well-rounded and so talented and all of her submissions look really realistic and believably, like, devastating. But, um, I, I, you know, it's interesting, like, those two got in the ring together and I wasn't sure what this was gonna be like because I'm more familiar with Allison Kay as, I mean, I know she's done MMA stuff, I know she's done Jiu-Jitsu, but I'm more familiar with her in more of, like you know, a shimmer or shine or NWA wrestling environment where it's less like technical MMA style grappling and more just like, you know, professional wrestling from North America. And I know Killer Kelly has done um, MMA stuff. I know she has that in her background, but I was not sure how they were going to match together. And for the first two or three minutes, you could tell that they were kind of feeling each other out. I feel like there was some hesitation, And then once they got on the mat together, it just clicked and it was fire. And they both, I mean, they both said so after the fact that they had a really good time wrestling each other. Kelly, uh, Kelly, excuse me. Kelly said on Twitter, she was like, "Uh, "Allison K is amazing. Let's do that again. And I was like, yes, please. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed watching them do submissions with each other. And I, I, I know that probably uh, I would have enjoyed it more if they had been like closer to the finals instead of being the opening round because they both um, like, you know, they both had to make sure they had some gas in the tank for the audience because Allison Kay was going to have to have matches later on. And um, I just I still really I enjoyed the two of them together so much and I thought they had great chemistry and I want somebody to book a card and put them in the main event for a match like this because I think it would be explosive.
1: Talk to Josh Barnett we ne- we, yeah. ne- we nearly got Disco Inferno versus Nick Cage
0: <laughs> why, why would, would you do <laughs> that, you do that?
1: <laughs> Nick Cage was talking to Disco Inferno and he in- disco offended Nick Cage and Nick Cage suggested you come down to Bloodsport and I'll have a match with you and it'll be fun and so we tweeted and I said nobody tell Disco what Sport's about because clearly he had no idea what Bloodsport was about. So uh, <laughs> then we all, me and a couple of other people, sent a message to put uh, Josh Barnett in the tweet. In the tweet, and he said, "Yeah, I book that." <laughs> That's a very
0: charitable <laughs> way to murder someone. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe you know, make sure they get paid
1: first. first. Yes, that was that was the idea. So I was like, "Yeah, I thought that'd be really cool." So maybe if you ask Josh Barnett nicely, he'll book him again. They did actually, I was going to say, um, well, no, it's, uh, ignore me. That was something completely different. But, yeah, I think I think these two just match really, really well together. They're kind of like Killer Kelly's kind of like the European version of Alison Kay in that sense, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense of being a legit kind of fighter and uh, a classy, stylish, professional wrestler. So you, can, you can kind of slot her in anyway. She had a big feud with Charlie Morgan in Pro Wrestling Eve, and she was ideal for that situation. Did have time in WWE with NXT UK, but like so many people, didn't last. <laughs> in fact, she got permission to leave NXT UK to do, to do this Bloodsport card back in April before she was let go. So, yeah. Um, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. Nobody watches Nobody that, watches
0: show, that anyway. show anyway.
1: <laughs> it was. Uh, it's. Um. We should have pointed out actually. This this collective show should have gone on. At WrestleMania weekend, but obviously, as WrestleMania weekend wasn't really WrestleMania weekend, and as it played to an audience of two, um as it it just this didn't happen, and this was the reason why it happened here in Indianapolis at this particular period of time. Um The next matchup was Lindsay Snow. She defeated Layla Hirsch in four minutes and twenty eight seconds. This was really good for the four minutes and twenty eight seconds. It could have gone for a bit been a bit longer, but again, suffered from the fact that they tried to put twenty seven matches into three hours. Um, I like Layla Hirsch a lot, legit Layla Hirsch. She did a tour of, uh, I think it was Sendai Girls or Stardom. Maybe it was Stardom. She did a tour of Stardom last year and she looked really, really good in that. Um, She doesn't really match the Stardom aesthetic because she's like an amateur style wrestler with a lot of submission. So it's like she kind of like, she would have probably done better in Sendai Girls (laughs) or Marvelous or any other promotion aside from Stardom. But, you know. Rossi is as Rossi does. Um, and Lindsay Snow is just breathtakingly good. She has just got this style and this, she's got the look when she's got all over body tattoos and dreadlocks and this just stoic expression of pain about her. She looks ideally made for this environment and it fit just it, this match just fit this environment perfectly. Better than any of the men's matches, really. I's the kind of thing you kind of pay to come see if that makes sense. What's your thoughts yeah. on this What's your thoughts on this one, Chelsea you okay?
0: Oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't hear that was what you said I, um uh i uh I liked this. I think Lindsay Snow is terrifying <laughs> and Um, she apparently is a nice person in real life, uh, based on the way people talk to her on Twitter, but, uh, she is so good at scaring the bejesus out of you with the way she looks at her opponent and the things that she does. Um, I liked the fact that this was so short because I feel like it contributes to the sense of the shoot part of the shoot wrestling, like... I think that uh, a lot of attempts in professional wrestling that are supposed to be sort of like influenced by MMA style um, suffer from the fact that they're too long to be believable that, you know, someone lasted long enough after going through all these terrible things that are supposed to be really painful. Um, And that, that didn't happen here. And it makes the results of the match that happened later where Lindsay snow wrestled allison Kay in the next step of this tournament it makes it more believable so um i thought that was really good um i'm not as familiar with layla hirsch as you are but i think she's good um i thought she did a good job in this she did a good job in the shimmer card that i also watched from the same weekend um she seems to me like someone who has the tools but is maybe like six months away from hitting that real stride where you look at her and you think there's a star. Like, I feel kind of the same way about her that I felt. Um, and I, I feel weird saying this, but I'll say it. Um, I, I feel kind of the same way about her that I felt about pre-impact Tessa Blanchard. And that's, I don't really like Tessa Blanchard as a person, but it's hard to deny that when she was in Impact for a long time, she was one of the best things about that show and that her character was really interesting and was a focal point of the show. Prior to that, I felt like she had all the stuff that was going to make her into a star, but she didn't actually have that quality yet. You know, I felt like she was getting booked in these headlining matches, but I would look at her and go, "Ah, well, do I really see it? And, you know, when she was an impact, I think she really got to that next level. So I'm looking forward to whenever Layla Hirsch hits whatever that stride is for her, where she gets to that level and um, and really excels. And, um, you know, she probably I don't know if she's worked for a televised promotion in the U.S., but um, I think that would be a good next step for her to get that TV experience.
1: Oh yeah. By the way, just to say about Tessa Blanchard, brilliantly Tessa Blanchard this year nominated for most inspirational wrestler of the year in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Awards renowned racist who can't get a job because she's a racist Tessa Blanchard <laughs> perhaps whatever drugs the Pro Wrestling Illustrated editorial board were on that week they maybe need to look at their prescription. Um, I mean yeah the reason why was because she was a woman who won the world Heavyweight Championship but you know even Which Peter is like was,
0: it's so funny that funny Tessa Blanchard, Blanchard, Blanchard has such Blanchard a heinous personality, personality that you can forget yeah, that.
1: Yeah. When yeah. you, think about, when you think about her. Yeah, it is, and then the amount of dude bros that will defend her till the ends of the earth is hilarious as well. But anyway, moving on. Uh Calvin Tankman defeats Alexander James by knockout in six minutes forty seconds in a fun blastum match, and Calvin Tankman was very good and alexander james was a kind of good cocky heel as much as you can be a heel in this environment i thought this worked really well for this little short match i thought it was good chelsea your thoughts
0: i thought this was fine but i was expecting more from those two guys because of how i felt about tankman when i saw him in the for the culture card and because i've seen alexander james in person a couple of times and he's really really good um I think it was probably time constraints as much as anything else. But I just, I don't know, I can't really put my finger on it, but something about this missed the mark for me. I didn't think it was bad, but I think both those guys are really good, and I think they could have a really, really good banger of a match. And maybe it was just that they weren't supposed to. I'm not sure. I don't want to be mean to, or not mean, I don't want to be unfair to either of them. But I just, I don't know, something about this didn't click for me.
1: That's understandable. I mean, there is, the you know, there is a the point they can't all be perfect. <laughs> there has to be. Yeah. Some, and, and it's like watching the G1. I don't know if talked about the G1 this week, but it's basically I've just figured out I've watched something like no, or oh, 16 hours of wrestling this week. That's a lot. <laughs> um, and yep. it's, it's noticeable in the G1. There were matches that should have been great but weren't. And it was noticeable that the older wrestlers who could tell a more efficient story had better matches when they could only go 10, minute, ten minutes. I'd rather watch Minoru Suzuki lose in 10 minutes than, than, say, watch Evil win in 25. Does that make sense? It
0: totally, it totally does. does. And my, and my corollary to, my that is to that is, if Evil's opponent is Sigurd Junior, Junior, I'll watch the 25-minute 25 25 match. But if it's anybody else, I don't want
1: to. <laughs> No, that's it, you know. It's it's yeah, and this was kind of that. These two guys were good, but it didn't really have enough room to breathe and could have been a bit better. And it, but there's also the point you've got a lot of meaty things to come, and they don't really want to eat into your attention span too much. Yeah, yeah. Next up was Eric Hammer versus carl Jack or Cal Jack. I like this a lot better than the previous one. They started to open up on each other a bit, and it was a bit of a slightly different style. The thing is with Bloodsport, with those of you, we should have explained the rules of Bloodsport to be if you've no idea. We've never seen it before. It's a wrestling match, but it's submissions and knockouts only. Referee's decision is final. No ropes because you're not allowed to run the ropes and you're not allowed to escape. Well, you are allowed to escape if you can get to the apron, but that's it. So, yeah, it's a lot more like essentially it's Josh Barnett idea was, well, it was originally designed around Matt Riddle. He was the first person to host Bloodsport, and he wrestled Minoru Suzuki two WrestleManias ago, and then when he left for WWE, Bloodsport was taken over by Josh Barnett, and Josh kind of books it in a manner of how he was taught to wrestle by Billy Robinson, Antonio Inoki. He wants that Hmm. kind Hmm. of environment, that kind of crossover between, not crossover, kind of like how MMA would look if it was, you know, just pure wrestling, really. So, a mix of submissions and a mix of grappling with a little bit of striking, but not too much on the striking, so Eric Hammer and Carl Jack, who kind of like stuck to elbows and and forearms were kind of ideal for this, and I kind of actually it was the most blood sporty match of the one so far I thought,
0: yeah, I see that I see that in this um I thought this was fun uh I thought they were both trying to do that like everything in the kitchen sink like thing at once and again I felt like maybe those guys could have had a better match at a different point in a card on a different show but I don't think this was bad I remember enjoying it I just don't think it was super super memorable there wasn't really anything about it that super stood out to me as like oh my god that was a really cool moment and um to be fair also like uh everybody watched a lot of wrestling this weekend <laughs> or that past weekend. But, um, but yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was in a good place on the card. And um, I think both of those guys are really talented.
1: Yeah, that was about it really. It, and next up was filthy Tom Waller versus homicide. Uh, 5.83 match from the cage match users based on five votes, which I don't think is fair. Cause I thought this was way better than that. Um, I think that it was, Homicide is not a shoot fighter so by any stretch of the imagination, but has enough wrestling noose to maybe be able to make a match work, whatever the environment is. The guy's a former X-Division champion, Ring of Honor heavyweight champion. Well, sorry, don't have heavyweight championship, but Ring of Honor champion. If he can't lay a match out by now, he's really, you know, he's he's one of those guys who can just make a match out of nothing. And Tom Lala has just so much pure wrestling talent running out the ends of his fingers. It's virtually impossible to make this unwatchable. And the fans were into it because they love filthy Tom Lawler. And Homicide is an absolute genuine legend. Our co-host, Alex Watts Twitter handle is Alex Watt187 because of Homicide. So this worked really well for me. I thought this was a lot of fun and kind of showed you what Homicide could do when he's all the things he's famous for are taken away from me. He can still have a very good match. What's your thoughts, Chelsea?
0: Yeah, I enjoyed this. Um Homicide has that Cool grizzled veteran thing, and um, I mean, I think is correct me if I'm wrong. I think this weekend is like an anniversary for him in wrestling. I think it's been 25 years or something like that for him, or maybe longer. Um, in any case, like that guy's a badass. That I don't guy's a badass. He's doing it, I don't
1: for for so how long. he's been doing this for so long. 27 years.
0: Wow, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, that, that is actually quite amazing. Um, trained by Manny Fernandez and in the New York kind of area. And yeah, he's he's been doing this for a long time to a very high standard.
0: Well, he um, met his standard in this. I thought this was really fun. I thought these two had great chemistry. I am not as familiar with Tom Lawler, but I thought he was really impressive. Um, I thought the uh, submission stuff was cool. I thought the fact where they were just like, you know, beating on each other a whole bunch was cool. Um, It had a very different vibe than the match that came before it, which is good because it kind of wakes you up a little bit. Um, I would definitely watch these two wrestle a longer match on a different card, which I'm sorry that that's the thing I keep saying, that that is my impression of a lot of the matches on this show because they have so many quality talents on this show.
1: For sure, I think that's it. You know, it's, it's kind of like... If this was a different style, but in this, I think, I think, I think to a point as well. There's only so much of this style you can watch before.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You can, you need like with ropes and flying and brawling outside the ring, which again is another thing that most wrestling shows can't do. They have to stay within the the boundary. It was remarkable how limited Suzuki-gun were on were on the G1 this year because oh, we mean we can't go up into the rafters and do things. All like, oh, right, we actually have to do this properly. Okay then. But yeah and it's the same with this show they couldn't go up into the they I think what they had one spot up in the rat, in the bleachers just one spot out of the whole weekend of the shows we watched which is was fine and people got cleared out of the way and stuff but yeah I think I think there's there is a certain there's a level and there's also like you've said before it's reality in the sense of if this is supposed to be much more realistic matches can't go on that long they just can't you can't go 25 minutes with this because it's really stiff and that was the original issue with the shoot style promotions in the 80s and 90s was because UWF could only put shows on once a month because the wrestlers yeah. just burn out. They, could, they would just be injured all the time if they tried to do if they tried to do two weeks on, two weeks off, like New Japan did. That's not actually possible in that style of wrestling or in this style of wrestling. It hurts a lot because they're getting kicked in the face all the time. So yeah, I think there's there's a level of self preservation. <laughs> that goes along with this that, that helps certainly.
0: which honestly is a good, thing. a good thing
1: definitely in fact to be honest with you I think the next one David Boy Smith Jr. and Josh Alexander five minutes was probably the least stiff the two guys were probably arguably of the stiffest background because they're both Stampede Stu Hart, Dungeon Trained Canadian wrestlers who both have shoot experience and amateur experience they looked after each other really well and it didn't seem like it really hurt that much in comparison to some of the other things I saw on this card. It was really smooth. It was really nice. It was really cool. Um, David Boy Smith, by the way, the only person who follows me on Twitter that appeared on any of these cards, just like that. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think of this one, Chelsea? I
0: thought this was fine. Um, I, uh, I'm a broken record, but a longer match, different card, I think I would prefer. Um, but I agree with your analysis that, um, it was probably the smart thing for them to do to take care of themselves and not go too, too, too hard considering the context. Um, I think both of these guys are really good wrestlers (laughs) and, um, they have, they have chemistry and I just wish I had seen a little bit more of it. I wish we had seen just a little bit more elaborate stuff from them because it could have played out really well. But I also feel like I get why they didn't do that. And in some instances, to be perfectly honest, I actually sort of appreciate it because the final of the women's tournament was the match after this. And I feel like women who are booked second to last on the card so frequently get booked like the cooldown match that you're not supposed to care about. And I think instead these two guys gave us the cool down match before the women's match. And that, I don't know if they did that on purpose. Maybe that wasn't their intention or maybe that was what they were told to do. It's hard to tell. Um, But uh, that was probably the right thing to do. Um, But I just, I don't know. There was something kind of missing in this for me that uh, I didn't connect to it as much as I wanted to.
1: I think it must have been an interesting booking meeting because Josh Alexander's contracted to Impact Wrestling and Davey Boy Smith Jr. is contracted to MLW Wrestling and so you know there's a bit of a hierarchy thing going on there and so it was interesting to see the MLW guy going over an Impact guy so that was just like a bit of wrestling politics but I don't think this really matters it's just kind of a separate thing it's not the same kind of style of thing is it it's not like they could both quite easily go well well in an mlw ring this would happen well in an impact wrestling ring this would happen you can still sell the story so i think it worked well yeah then we went to the semi-final the sorry the well, semi-final match but it was the final of the women's tournament and Lindsay snow defeated allison k in a rematch from buzzport 2 where allison k defeated Lindsay snow um and like you said earlier this was a nice story to tell because obviously allison k had to go a lot longer with killer kelly then Lindsay Snell had to go with uh, layla hirsch so she had pressure and she came in she was blowing quite hard at this match she won it in five minutes and 26 seconds to tap out which is really interesting to watch and these two i just love watching these two wrestle each other i'd wrestle them. i'd watch them wrestle in a straight pro style match as well i think they've got a lot of chemistry and they work it just clicked it was a match i wanted to see
0: yeah i i really enjoyed this um also props to Allison Kay. And I said this to her on Twitter and I know she saw it because she, she replied um, props to Allison Kay for doing the thing where she has multiple sets of gear for multiple matches in a tournament on the same show. That's a total power move. It definitely made everybody pay attention. I also think that blue gear set is like really fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed this. I think they have great chemistry. I totally agree with you. I would watch them wrestle just like a straight North American, style, all over the map, playing wrestling match. I don't really know what to call it, but you know what I mean. Um I think the story of the submissions of how Kay was more worn out than Snow worked really well. I thought that um, it... I know that based on the match we saw earlier on this card, that Allison has more technical skill than I think we really got to see in this match. I think they were trying intentionally to come across as though Allison was maybe a tiny bit out of her depth because they're trying to make Lindsey Snow look like a real badass monster, which Lindsey Snow doesn't really need any help in that department, but um that's good that's good pro wrestling storytelling, you know. And it means that if they ever have a rematch um someday, the stakes for that rematch will be higher. So um I thought that was good storytelling uh i enjoyed this and i want to see them have more matches in the future i would like to see them have like a big main event on the future card sometime
1: the last rubber match isn't it so allison k has one win, lindsey snow has one win so if you were like going to create a women's championship for bloodsport that's not kind of what bloodsport's about but you could essentially have your king of the hill could be the winner of that match that makes good sense yeah so we get to the main event of the evening. John Moxley, your AEW world and IWGP United States heavyweight champion, defeats Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson in 40 minutes and 42 seconds of an exceptional professional wrestling match, whatever style you like. This worked really, really well. Um the Moxley, I the, the most interesting thing in wrestling for me this year was Moxley versus Suzuki. I'm not a massive Moxley fan, but I was just intrigued as to what would happen with Suzuki. And it was great. And this kind of reminded me a lot of that because Suzuki doesn't really run the ropes too much. And he's kind of a mat-based guy and a brawling guy. And Dickinson's kind of in that same mold as Minoru Suzuki. And, yeah, this is my kind of thing. It was very tough, great kind of submission-style wrestling match and a great story being told by two guys who can really, really go. Chris Dickinson is probably one of the premier wrestlers on the U.S. indie circuit right now. And I'm so kind of surprised he hasn't got picked up by somebody yet, and he probably should do whilst he's this hot. And he's been this good for a while, and I don't understand why he doesn't get anywhere other than, well, the big, he's a big draw on the indie circuit, and that's, that's sometimes. Did he that.
0: have a WWE tryout?
1: I think he did do. I'm not sure how he got on with it, but he's got the look. He's got the size. He's got the ability. He can do it all ways. And this was kind of like he was the perfect guy to face Moxley. You know he was uh, Dickinson was supposed to wrestle Minoru Suzuki and Shingo Takagi earlier in the year, but that all got cancelled as they have mentioned on commentary. And I'd love to watch Chris Dickinson versus Minoru Suzuki. That'd be amazing, and against mm-hmm. Shingo Takagi. Um, but yeah, this this was this reminded me of that moment this the the of the Suzuki Moxley feud. I think Moxley's faced a few guys this year who've been perfect for him, and I don't think there's anyone more perfect than Chris Dickinson. And this match wasn't the greatest thing in the world, but it was certainly what I kind of, I wanted to put a blood match main event to be. This kind of resets the standard. It was better than, or as good as Josh Barnett versus Chris Dickinson for Bloodsport too. This really was really cool. And I think it was, this is, this is the thing about Bloodsport. It's never going to be like this great storytelling Kings Road classic, like you'd see in the nineties, because it's just not that style. It's either, it could just be great or it could just be a disaster. And that's kind of the chance you take. And for me, this was great. So I took a lot away from it as a really good match. And I think this was a lot of fun. What was your thoughts on it, Chelsea?
0: I really enjoyed this. I was really surprised by it. Um, if you've listened to me on this podcast before, you know that I'm a fan of John Moxley. I like him a lot. Um, but I am also the first person to admit that that guy has just as many matches that I don't care about as matches that I really, really care about. And he has had a really good year. Obviously, he has that that big AEW title. Um, And I know that um, being liberated from WWE has just been a palate-cleansing, like, refreshing experience for him because he's gotten to do so many cool things. Um, But uh, some of the cool things he's done, I was not sure how to feel about. I was not super hot on his New Japan run. Some of the AEW stuff he's done, I really liked. Some of it I thought was kind of boring. I was nervous going into this and I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, Moxley is not always one of those guys where when he does a lot of mat work, I really get into it and I really like it. Um, Sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it's kind of missing something. Um, But I don't know if it was just that maybe, I mean, I know Moxley is a fan of guys who are real good mat workers and guys who have that like Suzuki style quality of like you know really good guy who like if he gets you in the wrong kind of submission you're done but can also just beat the crap out of you brawling with you thing um i know that he has good matches with people like that but i i am less familiar with chris dickinson so i was really nervous about how they were going to connect but this was good um this had a really good balance of like north american style wrestling and also, like, the kind of, you know, scrambling around on the mat grappling kind of stuff that I think Bloodsport is more known for. Um, there were a couple of false finishes in here where I really wasn't sure who was going to go over. Like, when uh, Dickinson did that suplex, the German, where he just, like, threw Moxley, like, I mean, in my memory, it looks like six feet. I'm sure it wasn't actually like that, but Moxley really sold the bump there, and... um I I thought a couple of times I was like, oh man, you know, Chris Dickinson is going to get a decisive win here, and then I was surprised um, that uh, that he he didn't. Um, so I thought this was uh, I thought this was really interesting. I thought both of those guys clearly were really enjoying themselves and were really into it, and it was super competitive, intense, and, and the audience liked it. Um, I would like to see those guys wrestle for a title. Was kind of my feel. I was like, hmm, maybe Chris Dickinson should come to AEW and have a match with Moxley for the AEW belt. That would be really fun, even if he lost. So, um, I thought this was a great main event, and uh, the crowd treated Moxley like a star, which, again, just as someone who was a big fan of of him when he was Dean Ambrose in the Shield and doing a lot of stuff in WWE that I think WWE did not properly book or appreciate it's just nice to see that guy kind of, you know, get the, get the shine, get the recognition from the crowd of like, he's a big star. Um, And it's nice when that thing he has of like, he carries himself like a star and like, he has utmost confidence no matter what the situation. It's nice to see that in a situation where it really works to his advantage. Um, So I really enjoyed this. I thought it was a good way to end the show and uh, it was refreshing and different. So, um, I, I hope he comes back for another blood sport card or they send Chris Dickinson to have a match with him in AEW. I think both of those things would be fun,
1: Cody. Are you listening? You'd t- you seem to book people on a whim, which is no bad thing. <laughs> 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 oh, then we wouldn't have had the glory of Warhorse versus Cody for the TNT Championship. Um, and yeah, Chris Dickinson would be just ideal for AEW, I think. And yeah, I think it's so I watched back I watched that Suzuki angle back and I forgot how great wrestling was with the crowd. And I watched, watched that Wrestle Kingdom when he just beaten Juice for the championship and Minoru Suzuki's music hits. And it seems like such a long time since we heard that noise of a crowd and I hope yeah. we get back to it soon. And this was this was a these three shows are a great example of what you do what you can do when you have to have a socially distanced crowd. And the New Japan crowds have been awesome. They've been making so much noise without actually trying to scream. And they're so polite. <laughs> and, you know, don't scream at people and, and don't sing along. And, yeah, it's it, it's been difficult for wrestling. But I think with things, I doubt we're going to get back to normal for quite some time. But until we can, I would rather have wrestling like this than no wrestling at all, if that makes sense.
0: I, well, are we going to talk about the COVID stuff? Because we've been going for like two hours.
1: We should do a little bit about it, I suppose. I mean, yeah, there was a couple. You you say what you want to say. Let's go that way.
0: Okay. Um. So I don't think there should be any wrestling at all right now. And obviously I'm sort of a hypocrite because I watched this anyway.
1: Um, (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I've watched I've other watched wrestling other shows, wrestling. you know, I'm not going to deny that, but um, I think it's too big a risk unless you have the resources to make sure that your talent gets tested on a regular basis and you're paying them to quarantine so that they can take time off from their regular jobs, if they have regular jobs, which everybody on this card probably does. Um, and... uh I think I think it's just too big a risk. I don't think anybody should be doing it. I think it's a health hazard for the public in general. And I realize that because of capitalism and because we have no social safety net that protects people during times like these, and because we have President YouTube comment running the government right now um, in the us, uh, things are not set up for people to be able to avoid opportunities that will get them paid especially if you're someone who has like you know part-time work mostly on the side of your wrestling that you do which was making you a lot of money and then something like this pandemic happens that nobody really saw coming in time to prepare adequately um I get that a lot of people who took the jobs on this card probably did it because they needed the money and I think that it's pretty clear at this point that GCW did not do enough to prepare um, because they sort of admitted afterwards that they didn't make sure everybody had a negative COVID test. And um, I have heard, although I don't know if this is true, that they weren't doing temperature checks on the audience, Um I think that there were shows where it looked like there were too many people in the building. They were not far enough away from each other. And I also don't know how you can avoid there being um, people who are not properly socially distanced if they're sitting in rows, like one in front of the other. I just, I don't know. I don't think anybody should be running wrestling shows right now at all. Um, And I was not impressed with the way a lot of wrestlers handled the... uh, the onus of like, you know, well, all of you have to get tested now and not work other shows for the next two weeks. You know that, right? Like, I, I love Faye Jackson. I think she's a really cool wrestler and she seems like a good person. But I very strongly disagree with the things she said on Twitter of like, don't lecture people, we're adults. Because this isn't one of those situations where you can only think about your individual interests. That's what makes this pandemic so screwed up is that whenever you only think about yourself... You are taking other people's lives into your hands. And um, I'm a hypocrite because I watched this card. I had an uncomfortable feeling in my stomach on some level the entire time I was watching it. I'm I'm not perfect. I was looking forward to having something to look forward to in this time where everything that we're excited about and every trip anybody was going to take is canceled. But... I also look at something like this and I'm like, did I hallucinate a pandemic where I've had to confine myself to like my house and my office when wrestlers were wrestling without wearing masks? I don't necessarily think that was a great idea. I don't think that having the shows at all was a great idea. I did watch them. I, you know, I'm sure we're going to get people who listen to this who call me a hypocrite in the comments and that's fine. I'm I'm, I'm admitting it, but uh I am nervous for all the people that got sick. Um, I know there were at least three or four people that I've seen on Twitter who said they got sick. I mean, Tony Deppin said that he got sick and like his wife is pregnant. And I'm, you know, like as a fan of his and also just like as a person, I'm scared because that guy has, you know, like a situation where him being sick could very, very easily get everybody in his house. sick. And what happens if that happens? Like that's, always what you're dealing with when you put this many people in a building right now, because we have no vaccine and we don't have ad- access to adequate safety precautions. And just in case anybody listening to this needs to hear it, because I know not everybody who listens to the True Penny lives in North America, the North American healthcare system is not set up to make it easy to get a COVID test, afford to get a COVID test, get a rapid test. Um, a lot of people have had to settle for antibody tests, which is a different window of time I think where it can tell you whether or not you've had COVID like it can detect the antibodies but not within a certain window is my understanding I could be wrong about that I'm not a doctor check the CDC website and make sure that I'm you know right about that before you make a decision about getting tested or not but uh TLDR was not impressed with the people who work for GCW who were like oh well all the wrestlers can just go get tested before and after the show like that's not enough people should have had to sign contracts that say they were quarantining before and for two weeks after and they shouldn't have been taking bookings for two weeks after and I know some people canceled their bookings some people did not I think that's insane um Yeah, there's nothing good about this. All of it sucks. (laughs) And I feel awful saying that because we just talked about three really wonderful cards that were really great shows with really great people on them. And the crowds were happy and excited and uplifted. And I feel like a trash person for criticizing three awesome shows that I just watched. Um, But I, I wish people were staying home and wearing masks all the time, especially when you're going to be in close contact with another person, and getting tested before they have to have a situation like this. And if you can't afford to get tested, you shouldn't be doing something like this in the first place. And even then, just because you get a negative test, that's not 100% proof that you're not going to get it because somebody in the audience might have had it and passed it on to one of the wrestlers. I mean, like, it's just. It's a it's a conundrum. There's no way around all of this being life-threatening, and I just, I hope everybody is healthy and safe, you know? that's Those are my rambly thoughts.
1: No, that's understandable, because if you look at, I mean, New Japan's obviously a much bigger deal, financially speaking, and they were much safer than this show, because there was, just for a start, there was half the number of matches on each show. And it's a bubble of wrestlers, like Ring of Honor have been doing a bubble of wrestlers to do the show. So it was all the same guys who were riding the same buses and staying in the same hotels. And all the guys who came into the country must have self-isolated for 14 days before they wrestled. So Jay White and Will Ospreay and Jeff had 14 days in the hospital before they started the tour. 14 days in the hospital, 14 days in a hotel. And and Japan
0: is not North North America.
1: Yeah, they've got well past the peak of their spread they're not looking like they're having a second wave everyone in the building is wearing a mask everyone is sat two spaces apart from everybody chris charlton was commentating from the basement on the final day of the g1 he wasn't anywhere near yep. the ring three people allowed near the ring milano uh, liger and the color guy a uh, play-by-play guy whose name escapes me but there was only three people allowed near the ring everything was minimized that's the reason why we haven't seen Miho Abe or Peter because it's another risk to have another person on the tour they don't necessarily need. So, yeah, it's it's a lot easier in Japan because, A, the culture's there to protect it because most people wear classes mask go they've got a cold anyway. And, not, Japan, and Japan... Uh,
0: uh, uh, I realise I'm making a generalisation here and... and um, it's not necessarily, like, I'll just say the broad sweeping generalization that it, in my experience is mostly accurate is that Japan is a collectivist culture where people instinctually think about the needs of other people. And America is an individualist culture where people are taught from the day that they're born to only think about themselves. And that is obviously not how every Japanese person or American person behaves. But we literally have conspiracy theories in the United States that are telling people not to wear masks because masks are stupid and inconvenient and wearing them makes you gay. I'm not kidding. That's a real thing. People are actually saying that. Um, And uh, you're fucking with your life and somebody else's life if you're not as careful as you possibly can be. And an organization like GCW that has the funds to be running these shows to begin with should be more careful and more responsible than I feel that they were if they're going to do these shows at all. And my, my wish would be for them to have waited to do these shows until it was safer. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I said all of that before. This is, I'm just rambling again, but it does make me concerned and it does make me anxious and worried for the people who participated and went.
1: Yeah. No, that's perfectly understandable, and you're right. I mean, I, I do did like these shows, and to echo what you said, I hope everyone was safe, and obviously that the people that did get did contract it will be safe in the future, and that everyone gets out of this in as good a shape as they can be. And I do understand the issues of having to make a living as well, but I don't want anyone to be irresponsible. It's it's a i it's interesting what you say about like the, the collectivism of Japan and the individualism of America. In Britain we're kind of like halfway between the two. And there was literally, I think, a Tory MP who said this week we are the wrong party people in the country because we, we genuinely believe individualism to be the greater thing. You really want the <laughs> Labour Party in the country right now because they know what they're doing. <laughs> well Off that the person should resign, should resign
0: and give their seat to a Labour Party person. I mean I guess you
1: can't do that. You have to have an election, but Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, I mean, at least they were honest about it, but it is just like there is just this is the thing we're going through right now. And it's just like, I don't need you to have an ideological crisis. What I need is money to be spent in the right place and make everybody safe. That's that's what basically what we need. So, you know
0: i mean and i would have even felt better if they just had some of these shows and fewer of them and no audience
1: yeah i mean that was an option i mean impact have done that and have done fine their shows have been okay they haven't really suffered i haven't seen any of the ring of honor shows um like this but wwe haven't done badly they've done good shows with you know from what i've seen people have not been People have been more interested in some of the shows at J.U. So uh, Roman Reigns feud has been one of the things people talk most about.
0: Yeah, it's really good.
1: I doubt that would have happened if under normal circumstances. So, I mean, there's loads of things that have happened because of COVID that are actually quite positive. But I don't think we'll ever see them like the benefit of them till way down the line. But equally, yes, I agree with you. Things could have been safer and could have been better put together to keep things safe. Just having the number of matches on these shows and having longer matches with less people in would have made things a lot safer. Though I understand you're trying to showcase everybody, it's a lot of things to balance, uh, but safety has to come first.
0: Yep.
1: Well, two hours. We haven't done a two-hour show in quite some time. <sighs> wow. Uh, yeah. So thank you very much, for my guest today, Miss Chelsea Spollen. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: It was fun. It was fun. It's been a lot of fun. I haven't laughed this much in a long time. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much for listening to the Troopany Show today. My name is James Troopany. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. Where can we find you, Chelsea? Uh,
0: panels and pros on, oh, Twitter. on Twitter.
1: There you go. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, The Troopany Show, and Patreon, The Troopany Show, where you can keep us free forever for everyone take care next week i think we'll be looking at the g1 climax final and going in depth with some guests and having some bigger insights into it um yeah i hope you listened to yesterday's show it was a little 15 minute blast because it was it was i could have put it i hate to say this but it was a g1 climax final it wasn't that good (laughs) it was all right (laughs) but yeah Yeah, it was just like, uh, oh. There were some brilliant minutes. There was the closest near fall in pro wrestling history. Someone actually measured it as 2.98 seconds. Mm. That was a gif of that, which was really, really cool. But that that was slightly (laughs) concerning that that was the key moment of the entire match. But anywho, so we'll have a look at that next week. But thank you very much for listening to the wrestling conversations that we've been having over the last few weeks. We have literally doubled listeners in the last month because of, uh, obviously, doing the G1 Climax and listening to our old shows. And a lot of people are going back to the History of Japan series and are really interested in that and they listening to it. Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, but a lot of comments about it, actually. And looking at our stats, like, more people... Thank you for listening to the new shows, because it makes me feel good, because we're doing new shows all the time. But if you look at our stats, more people listen to our old shows than they do our new shows that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) which is just you know it's the way it is but we're very proud of them They're, they're some of the coolest things we've done i think and um so yeah we appreciate it anyway take care and we'll see you soon bye